This is episode 122 with the owner of Mind Body Health, a sub three marathoner and health and sports psychology expert, Dr. Justin Ross. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and I would like to personally welcome you to our theme for 2020. This is the year of mastering your mindset, and we're going to focus on our mental fitness and develop confidence, focus, and mental toughness to reach our biggest running goals. Earlier this week, I posted a monster article on the Strength Running website recapping the biggest developments of 2019, talking more about this year's theme and laying out what you can expect this month in our new series. The post also includes a new video where I tell the story about my potentially final cross-country race in college. It was the first time I ever experimented with using sports psychology to help my running, and a lot was on the line. I was racing a teammate to determine who'd have the final spot for the regional championship, and he was more talented than I was. I didn't want to cut my season short, so... I turned to the only tool that I really could use at the time, visualization. Don't miss this great post and video. They're on the Strength Running blog right now. Okay, let's move on to our discussion today with Dr. Justin Ross. Justin is a Denver health psychologist who focuses on sports and performance psychology, among other specialties like stress reduction and pain management. He's also a triathlete, a recent sub three marathoner, and the founder of Mind Body Health, a Denver area integrative health psychology and counseling center. And in this conversation, we're focusing on mental fitness, what it is and how you can use these principles to develop the tenacity, the mental toughness, and the grit to be a more psychologically intimidating competitor. We're talking more about developing confidence, managing anxiety, building positivity and motivation, and a lot more. If you find this topic interesting, please join the Strength Running email list so you don't miss our theme this year about mastering your mindset. I'll be publishing articles, podcast episodes, and videos that I don't want you to miss. Okay, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Justin Ross. Dr. Justin Ross, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Jason. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me back. Great to be here. Yeah, you are back. You are uh, a second time podcast guest, and and I love having folks back on the show. Uh, your episode was really popular, and I'm excited. Here we are. We're going to help our community learn more about sports psychology. I love it. It's such a, such a great topic, and you know one that's gaining so much momentum right now. I think a lot of people are are interested in trying to understand how psychology impacts their connection to sport and their performance. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's interesting looking back over the maybe 10 years or so of, you know, kind of running and training and and what's been really popular and kind of the the popular running culture. I kind of see sports psychology as starting to have its own moment right now, much like strength training had its moment maybe 5 or 10 years ago when runners started realizing that, "Hey, I can't just run strength training is such a valuable component to how runners ought to be training. And now I think finally runners are starting to realize how impactful sports psych can really be to their performances and their training and really how they think about running. And, and that has so many implications down the road. I couldn't agree more, right? I mean, I, I tend to come at this from this 
perspective that, you know, we, we all have a mind, every single one of us, and uh, whether or not we're training it or doing something with it deliberately or proactively, our thoughts are shaping our belief systems, they're shaping our identities, they're shaping how we show up in sport, they're shaping, you know, how we interact in tough moments. And, you know, running, as we all know, is, is a sport of tough moments. And if you don't have your head on, uh, you know, in the right way with the right set of skills, um, and you don't know how to deal with those moments appropriately, that's really kind of a make or break set of skills that can lead to great breakthrough performances or, you know, days of disappointment. Yeah, it's so incredibly powerful. And, you know, I've been a runner now for, wow, nearly 22 years. And, you know, I didn't give sports psych a single thought for probably half that amount of time. And unfortunately, I think that's really common among runners. Have you found that this is an area that runners tend to ignore? And 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 why is that? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think not just runners, but I think athletes in general um, for a long time have ignored the mental game. I, I think because they've seen, they've seen it as unnecessary. You know, it was sort of this perspective that, you know, if I did the work, I did the physical training that that should be in, in and of itself enough to, to see results. So, you know, like I think every sport, but especially endurance sports, um, they have such a high mental component to them. Um, that if you're not actively training your mind alongside your sport, you're probably not getting the best out of your training, right? I think about sports psychology is really this like this service that happens alongside training that um, that doesn't really need to be cumbersome. It doesn't need to be burdensome. You can implement these skills as you're going through your day, day in, day out, week in, week out training cycle. Right. And, and I like that you're kind of framing sports psychology as something that um, happens along with the training. It's, it's not something that happens kind of like outside the training. You know, you work on it uh, almost on a daily basis, um, you know, and and I'd love to start maybe talking about some of the broad strokes of sports psych. Um, you know, you talked about skills. What are some of those skills? What are the main areas that are relevant to runners? Yeah. So, you know, the foundational skills are, are things that most of us have heard before, right? These are things like motivation, goals, and commitment. That, those tend to be like the hallmark skills that we talk about a lot. They're readily searchable online. You're going to find articles and information on those three areas ad nauseum. The, you know, the biggest buzzwords in performance psychology right now are mindset, mental toughness, and grit. So those are gaining a lot of attraction, but there, there's so many other areas of skills that have equal importance. Um, emotional intelligence is important, emotional regulation, pain tolerance, stress and anxiety management, trust, confidence, self-talk, cognitive appraisal. I mean, the, the list really goes on and on and on. And again, the, the beautiful thing about all of these ideas is they're already there. That Each of these areas is within us on a daily basis, both in and out of sport, that sports psychology is really about just learning how to lean into and channel this awareness so that you can pay attention to these areas so that they become something that that becomes a skill, something that you can do uh, proactively, you know, in and out of your training. What do you think are some of the more important skills that you just mentioned? Yeah, well, I think for all of us, um, you know, the starting point, especially in endurance sports, um, really is determining the the importance and the meaning behind your goals, right? So we know there's plenty of research that now documents 
that the more personally meaningful a goal is to you, the more likely you're going to allow yourself and be willing to be uncomfortable um, to see that goal through, right? There's this great study done um, at the University of Chicago that looked at uh, almost 10 million marathon finishing times over the course of a 30-year period. And what they found was this huge spike in finishers in the two to three minutes right before uh, even numbers, right? So the biggest spike, there was something like 160,000 person difference in the three minutes right before four hours than the three minutes after four hours. And it's not because human beings are better at running a, a 358 marathon compared to a 402. It's, you know, we put such high meaning into these numbers that we're willing to be uncomfortable to fight for them. So at the onset of training, finding meaning and importance behind goals is really, really critical. You know, that totally reminds me of myself because I had this goal of running a sub 240 marathon and my PR is 239.32. So right. <laughs> it was something that, you know, uh, was totally uh, uh, just camped out in my brain for years and it was incredibly personally meaningful. And I still remember, you know, the average mile pace that I had to run on the day to run that time. I remember where I was at the 10 mile mark, the 20 mile mark. I mean, because it was meaningful, because I was so obsessed with that time, then I was so engaged with the process of training that led me to just sneaking under 240. And so I can personally attest to the fact that, you know, no matter what goal you have, if it's something that you really care about, you're much more likely to actually follow through with the work that's going to be necessary to accomplish the goal. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I you know I've had a goal the last couple of races to uh, to break three hours, and I had come close a couple of times. I've gone three hundred one, I went three hundred two, I went three hundred three a couple of times, and then um, I just ran a two fifty seven um, at CIM back in December. And again, that was because it was it was something that was personally meaningful that um, I put in the training. And towards the end, when it got uncomfortable, I was I was willing to tolerate that discomfort to see that goal through. Well, Justin, I think I missed uh, this big news. Congrats on your big marathon PR and, and sneaking under three. That That's a, what, a four minute PR for you? And, and 257 is closer to 255 than three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It was, um, you know, it all came together and, um, you know, it, it's such a great feeling. It's just so deeply satisfying to have your eye on something that, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things doesn't, doesn't matter to a lot of other people, but it mattered a lot to me. So to be able to achieve that was, uh, was deeply satisfying. Oh, sure. And now that your marathon time starts with a two, I'm sure is, is, uh, <laughs> very satisfying as well. That's right. That's right. I, I got, um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dan Brown is, uh, he was on the Olympic team in, in 2004 and he called me that day and he said, well, welcome to the two hour marathoners club. And I had to call him back and joke. I said, you know, I'm, I'm only about 47 minutes away from your PR, so um, I think there's a big difference in the two-hour mar marathoners club from where we see it. I know, and up until very recently, there was really only the two-hour marathon club, but now there's there's a club of sub-two-hour marathoners. It's very elite. There's only one guy in it. Right. Um, yeah, it's a so. handful of one, right? Pretty incredible. So uh, we talked a little bit about this a few minutes ago, um, but you know, one of the things that I love about learning about training is that everything is related. You know, if you get faster and you're going to improve your performance, 
you know, at a longer race than if you got faster in a shorter race. So if you run a lot of easy miles, you're probably going to improve your speed as well. And so when I recently started just devouring sports site books over the last couple of years, I realized that this is true for that as well. And this was very comforting to me because it means that we can kind of take a, a different approach to learning more about sports psych. Um, and, you know, it just makes sense. You know, confident runners tend to have more mental toughness. Runners who can set appropriate goals tend to follow through. But, you know, I'm wondering, how do you work with runners on these skills? Do you teach them in a vacuum? Do you teach them holistically? How does this all work? Yeah, that's that's such a great question, right? I think, um, you know, I think it's a very collaborative process, um, right? None of this really occurs in, in a vacuum. When people come to work with me, one of the first things that we really start to talk about is um, we start to understand the psychological framework that already exists for that particular person, right? So every person, every athlete enters my office with a, a different set of already established thought patterns, skills, strengths, and weaknesses. So we really have to first start understanding what, what that is and how they approach the mental game um, in general. Um, and then it's, you know, it's a conversational process. So we start to help recognize those patterns, both in thought and emotion. You know, we start to understand where the biggest impacts are. Sometimes that happens right before training. Sometimes it's right in the middle of training or sometimes it's, it's after. And, you know, for a lot of athletes, often the biggest psychological impacts are, are not tied to sport at all, but it's part of their life in general, right? A general belief system of who they think they are, what they think they're capable of, or what they think they're they're incapable of. So, um, you know, after all, like every athlete that comes into my room is, uh, is a human being first and foremost. So all of those other places really do stack up into their belief system. And then kind of lastly, you know, if, if we're, um, if we're working with a coach, um, we'll have collaboration meetings or conversations to really build alignment between athlete coach and myself so that we can put some of these ideas into action in a training plan. And that could be, you know, we're working on specific skills um, during certain workouts, could be working on self-talk or pain tolerance or concentration, could be building in mindfulness training before or after sessions. Um, it, it really depends. You know, the, the process itself is always collaborative, but the specifics of what we're working on really do vary athlete to athlete based on their individual needs. Yeah, I love that the the sports psych skills that you're learning. And I kind of refer to all this as mental fitness. You know, we talk a lot about physical fitness and that kind of includes as a runner, your ability to run far, to run fast and, you know, to do the training necessary to reach your goals. And so mental fitness is having some of those psychological skills that we've been discussing. And uh, the fact that you're working with a coach and understanding that, you know, these skills can't be taught in a vacuum, that they have to be taught alongside workouts and overall weekly mileage and long runs, because that's when these skills are developed and put to use and even tested, I think is, is really important for not, not only just the general learning process, but really ingraining these into your brain so that, you know, when, uh, the chips are all out on the table when you're at mile 22 of a marathon or, you know, you're approaching mile two and a half and a 5k, then, you know, you can beat back that inner critic or those negative voices in your head. Cause I think it's, uh, you know, that's when those skills really come to fruition and really benefit you. You know, there's a saying that I love that, you know, when you're in a race, you don't rise to your expectations, you fall to your level of training. 
And, and I think when it, we're talking about mental fitness, when we're talking about mental toughness or any of these skills, that that is applicable as well. Yeah, Jason, I, I think you're 100% accurate there, right? It's, um, you know, what whatever we do in training is exactly what we're going to do in racing. And I have, you know, I, I joke with people a lot. It's like you, you can't just, you know, um, think you can create mental toughness at mile 20 of a marathon if you haven't figured out what that means for you throughout your training. And so, you know, like this really does have to be a, a process that, uh, that you take, you know, in your runs, five minutes, every run, you're working on something. And sometimes that, that specific skill is just learning how to focus and shift your focus appropriately. And sometimes it's on, on self-talk, like a specific mantra or a specific uh, word or phrase that's helpful. And, and sometimes it's on, you know, that mental toughness skills of willingness, just being willing to kind of be uncomfortable and, and grind it out. You know, it sounds like, um, from from everything that I've read in my personal experience with running and a lot of these mental fitness skills is that it does take a little bit of time to learn and to really master these skills. It's not something where, you know, you schedule an hour with a sports psychologist and then you come out of that meeting mentally tough and confident and super focused and able to set appropriate goals. You know, it takes time and it is a process to learn. Have you struggled with that working with endurance athletes or do we tend to be fairly patient and have that long-term outlook that's kind of inherent in our sport? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for a long time, it, it seemed I would get calls in late September and early October with marathoners who were just ready to go and, and target their A race. And they wanted to learn how to be mentally tough, right? And so we'd have one meeting right before their goal race where they were trying to figure this out. And, you know, the truth is we, we can do some work getting ready in a one-time meeting right before a race, but those who prioritize this and sort of periodize their training schedule, just like they do with their physical training, doing it alongside their physical training over the weeks and months, those are the people that get the most out of this. They're the ones that can really tweak and really understand and really look under the hood so that they have a really good understanding of what's happening in their mind as they get uncomfortable, as they're approaching certain markers on a course so that they have those skills that are very reachable and, and ready. Um, and that takes time. It takes a little bit of trial and error. It takes trying to figure it out. It takes learning what doesn't work for you just as much as it takes learning what does work for you. Right. And the way that I think about this is that, you know, if you are a more competent athlete physically, if you have experience with high mileage, if you have some speed, it gives you range and it gives you options so that no matter what happens on race day, you have range and options to deal with any kind of race adversity or obstacles that might be thrown in your way. Uh, competitors throwing in a surge, you know, at, at a time in a race that you weren't planning on it. And when it comes to our psychology, those runners who have focused on it and have built in some of these mental fitness skills and really worked on them over a long period of time are going to have more range and they're going to have uh, just more competence with you know their confidence and their mental toughness and all of those skills so that no matter what happens on race day or even a hard workout day, they're able to respond proactively and positively. Yeah, that's right. They've they've embedded trust into their mental skills just as much as they've embedded trust into their physical skills. 
Yeah. So we've talked a lot about these skills and, uh, you know, in your experience working with runners, is, is there usually one skill that runners prize over the other? And is, is there a skill that you wish runners might focus on a bit more? Yeah. I, well, I think endurance athletes in general, especially runners, um, there are two areas that I think are really critically important. And one is uh, willingness and the other is, is pain tolerance, right? And I always think about Alex Hutchinson's definition of endurance, which I, I think really kind of starts, you know, this conversation that, you know, it's the struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop. So endurance athletes, more than any other type of athlete, we really need to train the willingness to continue because at some point, there is going to be this mounting desire to stop. So it's not really a matter of if it's going to get uncomfortable. It's it's a matter of when, and you have to be ready for that moment, right? And that willingness skill is uh, is trainable. You know, in our training, one of the reasons that harder efforts, whether that's, you know, speed days or tempo days or long runs, those are opportunities to really train the mental skill of willingness, are you willing to put your nose into those hard efforts and to not back down and to not cut them short, right? Because learning how to do that in training, again, is going to mean you're, you're strengthening the willingness muscle um, come time to race, right? And then pain tolerance is this other really critical factor for endurance athletes. Um, you know, again, like the more willing we are to tolerate pain um, is going to depend on how personally meaningful the goal is that we're pursuing. Um, and that pain tolerance is really mediated by cognitive appraisal, which is, you know, just the messages that we tell ourselves or the narrative we tell ourselves about the discomfort that we're experiencing. And again, that is something that we train, right? When you're out there on those harder effort days, when you start to feel discomfort, the very first thing we can start to focus on is to bring awareness to what happens in our thoughts. What are the messages? What are the stories? What are the beliefs we tell ourselves about that discomfort? What's the difference between pain tolerance, mental toughness, and willingness? Yeah. So in, in my opinion, you know, like mental toughness, again, it's this, it's this great buzzword. Um, and everybody will, will agree that it's important. And yet when you ask a room of 10 athletes what mental toughness is, you're going to get eight different definitions, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to me, I think mental toughness is probably more mental than it is toughness right? And at the core of mental toughness, uh, really, in my opinion, are two factors. One is willingness, like we're talking about, right? The willingness to be uncomfortable. Uh, but two is, is optimism, right? And optimism at the heart of this could mean a couple of things. Optimism could be, um, you know, believing that you have what it takes, that you're optimistic, that you can see this, this next thing through, whatever that is. It's the next rep, it's the next lap, it's the next mile, whatever. You're optimistic that you have what it takes to be successful. The, the second part is that, um, you know, you're optimistic that, um, uh, that you're going to be successful, right? Not that you're not just that you're going to see it through, but that you're going to see it through in a successful way. Again, whether that's hitting a PR, um, or being able to, you know, hit your lap times, if you're doing speed work, whatever it may be. So when you put willingness and optimism together, and when you train both of those skills in your physical training, you become really psychologically strong, right? So that over time, you do this week in, week out, you start to understand that 
that you're really capable of, of a lot. And that's because you're psychologically strong and physically strong at the same time. Well, Justin, I'm glad I didn't have to fight you on this one because <laughs> I think uh, a lot of athletes, not just runners and, and probably less so for runners, but a lot of different athletes think that mental toughness is this kind of, you know, uh, beating your chest, grimacing through pain, kind of a toughness when it's not that at all. Mental toughness is really in my view as, as a runner and a coach, the ability to positively and proactively respond to adversity. So, you know, when you're late in a marathon, late in any race really, and fatigue creeps in and those heavy sore legs start really weighing you down, mental toughness is your, your ability to assess the situation and, and say, well, I knew this was going to happen. And, you know, the race is obviously going to feel this way, but I can endure and I can push through this and still accomplish my goals. And so, you know, the runners without mental toughness are the runners who just are constantly dealing with that negative voice in their head, telling them that they can't do that, telling them that they have to slow down. And then they listen to that voice. And so it's this kind of very negative approach to race related discomfort. And so I'm glad that optimism and that positivity is, is such a crucial part of your definition. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really it is really critical, right? Because that again, that that little critical voice telling you to slow down or telling you, you know, to uh, to cut a workout short. Again, it's not a matter of um, of if that's going to happen. It's it's a matter of when. It, it's going to creep up in the sport, and in a lot of ways, I think that's the beauty of it, and what draws so many of us to it is that we want to we want to confront that voice and we want to see, you know, what we're, what we're willing and, and able to do. And being optimistic is such a critical part of that journey. Right. Now I want to talk a little bit more about how we can start building some of these skills into our training. And, you know, I've always loved that building certain goals into a training program. So you don't have to really think about it is possible. I've always loved that. And I think a good example is injury prevention. You know, you can design a training plan that prioritizes prevention. So a runner is training really well without unnecessarily increasing their injury injury risk. Can we do this with sports psychology? So in other words, how can we build the learning of these skills directly into our training so that we're not, you know, having to go, you know, sit down for an hour every day and practice, you know, some sort of mental skill? Yeah, no, totally. It's, uh, I think we can absolutely do this, right? So I, I think just like we, you know, set up a, a periodized training schedule for our, our physical fitness to hit, um, you know, peak fitness for a given event, we need to do the same as we develop psychological skills. So I, I really think the beginning phases of a training cycle are about connecting to goal setting, motivation, and commitment, right? And again, like, as I said a, a little earlier, that the more purposeful and meaningful that goal is, the more likely we're going to fight for it, right? So doing that at the beginning, really connecting to your why is a great place to start. I also think the kind of the base phase or the beginning phases are a really important time to develop a mindfulness practice, um, you know, where we are maybe taking three to five, maybe 10 minutes a day, a few days a week where we're sitting and learning how to direct our concentration and our focus and our breathing is really helpful for athletes. You know, in, in the endurance world, there's some pretty compelling evidence that shows that not mindfulness not only helps with focus and concentration, but it really does help mediate pain tolerance in the long run. 
But again, it's something that we have to train um, deliberately. So I like those skills at the beginning. Once we kind of get into you know a rhythm of training, um, we can start to shift the psychological work to different types of self-talk. Um, and we do this before training, during training, and then after training. And really the goal here is to align um, a cohesive athletic identity across those three domains that really develops trust, right? Trust is like the greatest antidote that we have to anxiety, both in and out of sport. And it's important that we learn that we develop trust through the process of training so that we can access that when it's time to perform in a key event. Um, and then finally, you know, as we start to start to hit peak training, as we're really starting to see race day is getting closer, that's where we start to develop more specific skills around these mental toughness factors, right? Willingness, pain tolerance, optimism. But all of those skills really thread all the way back to the self-talk that we're developing day in, day out. It goes all the way back to the importance of goals and the meaning behind them. And it goes all the way back to being able to have this ability to meaningfully and, and purposefully develop concentration and focus through the process of mindfulness. So that becomes kind of the platform that I use with so many athletes throughout the training cycle. You have just periodized sports psychology and officially blown my mind. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> that I, That's a goal. You know, I, I really do think that um, periodizing sports psychology alongside physical training is it really is important for us um, if we want to, you know, one, be connected to sport um, and two, to, to be successful in sport. And again, the beautiful thing about this is it doesn't really require a whole lot of time or energy outside of the actual training. Mindfulness is going to take a couple of minutes every day for you to do that. But all of these other skills we can weave into the course of your physical training as you're getting out the door and running, um, you know, every day. Mindfulness is a great uh, mental fitness skill to highlight here as one that you can train without any extra time, I think, because, you know, one of the ways that we can do this is by simply being more present with our running and particularly being present when we might not want to be present. So during those situations where we might want to distract ourselves. And so I'm thinking about the final miles of a long run when you're really tired and uh, hard workouts and races. And one of the ways that I personally like to uh, really practice this mindfulness and and really a, it's almost like a level of focus is by not listening to any music or podcasts or having that kind of a distraction when I'm doing these key priority workouts or or during a race. So even though you know you might really want some music on a long run, I like to be just by myself with my thoughts, which I think really helps develop quite a few mental fitness skills when I'm out there on a long run. Or when I'm doing a workout, I really want to associate with the feeling of fatigue and the feeling of, uh, you know, lactic acid in my legs. I want to feel that and experience that without being distracted because I know on race day, you know, a lot of races don't even allow you to wear headphones. So, you know, you kind of have to be out there alone with your thoughts. And that is just such a simple way of forcing yourself to be a little bit more mindful and it doesn't actually take any extra time. In fact, it might even save you time because you don't have to set up your podcast or music before you head out there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really recommend to um, even athletes who are sort of heavy media users when they run to just start with uh, five to 10 minutes of every run 
where you're you're headphone free and you just start by paying attention right it it opens up your senses to the world around you it opens up your senses to what you're feeling both physically and and emotionally and that really is a, a nice place to start to develop this mindfulness skill through running right and you know i have gone through a period of time where i actually did most of my runs with either music or a podcast and i almost had to detox from that later on when I stopped using it so much because, you know, I, I felt like I was in withdrawal. I, I my mind was very cagey and uh, or my thoughts were erratic. I didn't feel very settled and it, it wasn't a good feeling. And so for me now listening to music or listening to a podcast uh, is a very rare thing that I do. And I'll only do it for easy runs because I think it's, it's just um, not working in my own best interests as a runner. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really wise. Um, one thing I, I recommend to a lot of uh, to for race day performance as well is for people to hold off on music until the halfway point, right? I see a lot of people at the beginning of races popping in their their headphones and they're they're cranking music for the duration of the race. And and one, I think it's you know you're missing out a little bit um, when you do that just on the you know excitement and enthusiasm at the beginning of a race, but. Too again, the the research is is really compelling in showing that music does help us manage pain, um, but only if you use it in the right way. And if you're using it for the duration of of a marathon or half, um, you're probably not getting the full benefit. So saving it to the halfway point is going to give you this nice little boost. It's going to be this little energy pickup. If you start to get sore early or tired early, it gives you something to look forward to. So it's another little um, little thing that I think can go a long way. Yeah, I think a lot of these strategies are there's so many different opportunities for incorporating it into your training in a way that isn't uh, intrusive or anything like that and, and really can have some positive benefits for you. Yep, uh, now, now, Justin, we're kind of dancing around this, but you know, something that's really fascinated me and kind of seems like common sense in hindsight is that you can't separate the mind from the body. So mental fitness flows from physical fitness, which is something that you know, really resonates with me as a former collegiate athlete, you know, and something that, you know, I, I think after talking about all these skills, something that I did develop fairly well without even really trying to do so. So the training really helped. Do you think it's possible to become a more mentally fit runner and develop these skills without actually doing the training? So for, in other words, can you get injured for six months and work on your uh, sports psych skills during that time and then hope to have more of those skills when you start running again? Sure. Yeah. So mental fitness doesn't just happen. It, it has to be developed. And that, you know, that mind-body connection that you're talking about, it really is inseparable. Um, it's, I just find it really interesting. So many people are, agree with that statement, no doubt. Yet when you ask them about their mental skills training, um, most people don't have a particular training plan or routine that, that they're following. So the way that I see it, I, you know, it seems that mental adaptation is going to occur alongside physical training, whether or not you're proactively doing anything or not. So, you know, our mind is, is there to you know, catalog and analyze and judge and appraise everything that we're doing in and out of sport. And it's over time that that leads to the development of beliefs, you know, like who we think we are as people, who we think we are as athletes, 
um, what we think we're capable of, what we think we're incapable of. And so many of those beliefs, if you just stop to, to look at them, have developed over time without any of our own proactive decision making. So mentally fit athletes approach the mental side of training with just as much precision and dedication as they do their physical training. You know, they start with this process of, of metacognition, which is just, you know, kind of fancy language for being able to think about their own thinking. Um, they have uh, an understanding of what types of thought patterns they're trying to develop, and they really work hard to develop those thoughts, those cognitive appraisals, those skills. Uh, they screen out what's harmful or not working. They develop a, a credible voice, which is, in my opinion, um, you know, they can be critical without being disparaging, you know, really working to understand that, like, learning is what drives improvement, um, both on the physical and psychological side. So I think that's, that's a long-winded answer to say that, you know, mental fitness doesn't just happen. It has to be cultivated. Um, for those who are injured, or not actually participating in sport, it's actually one of the greatest times to dial into mental, mental fitness skills, um, just because you simply have time and opportunity to, to really look at what's happening in your mind as it relates to how your body is feeling, how you're dealing with the injury. So again, that's, um, I think, a long-winded answer to say, yeah, mental fitness is, it needs to be cultivated. Yeah, I think so too. And and you mentioning the time when you're injured, you know, that is always a really fascinating time for me as a coach because all of a sudden you're not training and it leaves open this window of opportunity to focus on your weaknesses. And I think a lot of runners hear that and think physical weaknesses. Okay, I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to go in the weight room. I'm going to start lifting weights. You know, I need to improve my mobility, whatever that might be. But also it's our, it's our mental skills. It's our ability to set more appropriate goals because maybe you got injured because you were training too hard based on uh, a goal that you might've set for yourself that, that wasn't truly achievable. Uh, and it's also a time when you can reflect on, you know, all the different things that might have led to your injury and how you might be able to change those in the future. Um, and, and I think all this really speaks to the the topic of habits, you know, you are your habits, you are what you do on a repeated basis. Um, how can the skills we learn from sports psych help us reinforce good habits? Because I think that's what running success is all about. It's all about setting up that routine, like you mentioned, whether it's your training or your you know, mental fitness skills, setting up uh, a habit of executing on a routine, and then you are definitely going to improve. But how do we how do we, you know, use the skills or, or how can the skills we learn from sports like help us with those habits and reinforce those habits? Yeah. Yeah. Habit, habits are everything, right? They, they really do determine um, uh, our successes and our failures. They're so important. And the best habits for all of us, for athletes, are ones that we consistently um, and proactively develop. So I think that, you know, the easiest place for a runner to start is to develop habits in really, again, in, in I think three domains. So there's like before they run, before the run, in the middle of the run, and then after their run. So before you run, there's a skill, it's called priming, right? And so all priming is, is you're really setting up your run mentally. So you give a quick check-in, what are you about to do? Uh, why is that important sort of in the grand scheme of your training plan and how are you about to do it? 
right? And that how is really, really important because what you're priming there is a specific sports psychology skill. You could say, I'm, I'm going to approach this one with gratitude or with confidence or with um, enthusiasm or with joy, whatever it may be. So priming your run up front is important. Um, spending at least five to 10 minutes of every run working on some part of the mental game, um, which could be all kinds of things. It could be, you know, shifting focus. It could be developing awareness. It could be that kind of mindfulness uh, perspective we were talking about. Um, it could be dialing in concentration, could be self-talk. It could be all kinds of things, but getting in the habit of every run, having a five to 10 minute window at minimum could be longer where you're doing something on purpose to develop your mental game. And then the last part is, you know, um, how you put your run away. Right. And that's all that is. It's just a little quick retrospective recap of what you just did, why that's important and what you learned about yourself in the process, what you learned about what's working, what's not, what you need to tweak, what you need to change. And so that's just a great little framework. Right. Again, you're, you're not adding anything to your training. All three parts of this are already occurring before, during, and after your run anyway. So you might as well make the best out of it because um, your mind is cataloging and analyzing anyway. So learning how to do that proactively to develop what you want, what type of athletic identity you want, um, happens in those three domains. I love that. It's a very simple approach to really reinforcing a lot of these concepts. And it sounds like the sports psych version of, you know, my sandwiching philosophy, where I like to sandwich a run between a dynamic warm up and then some type of, you know, strength or core workout afterwards. You know, that is physical priming beforehand. And then you're cooling down and working on strength and mobility after the run. And that's such a nice way to put away the run. Uh, as you put it at the end. And you've just kind of discussed this mental approach that that does many of these same things that primes your run that uh, then helps you put away the run at the end. But now you've added this uh, new mindfulness approach in the middle where you're working on some type of key aspect uh, of your mental fitness. And I think that is uh, the the before, during, and after approach is simple and, and I think very effective for, for learning these skills because it doesn't make it into a, a big project where, you know, you have to learn this entirely new concept or topic. Right. Yeah. It's, it, you're not trying to cram, uh, you know, mental fitness into the final week before your marathon, right? You're doing it in the, the weeks and the months leading up to it, right? That's small amounts of consistency in the mental game really do add up to help you develop this, uh, this strong, capable identity that you're going to need to access when you need it in a key event. Right. I think, uh, you know, dusting off the old psychology textbook three days before your goal race is, is probably not the, uh, the way to do it. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, there's a better way. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Justin, this was super informative for me. And and I always learn a lot when I talk to you. Uh, I'd love to end by just noting that you are currently speaking to tens of thousands of runners right now. What advice might you have for them when it comes to becoming a more mentally fit athlete? One final piece of advice. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think first and foremost, just know that your mind is a trainable skill. It, it all really starts there. You know, second, your mind is adapting whether you're training it on purpose or not. So you may as well make it work for you, right? The third is you're already employing a lot of psychology skills in your life as an athlete. So sometimes the best starting place is to just become aware of what those specifics are 
and continue building upon what's working for you. And then that fourth piece and the final piece is really that, you know, mental fitness, training your mind, it, it does not need to be cumbersome. I think one of the reasons people maybe steer um, away from this is, you know, they don't know how to do it and they think it may be a difficult project. And it really isn't. You know, it starts by bringing awareness to your thoughts uh, to get a clear sense of what's working and what needs to be tweaked. And then it develops from there. So if you're interested in developing the mental game, that's really kind of the starting point. Thanks for letting us know that we can train our brain and that it's not as difficult as it seems, because I think I was one of those runners who in the past was almost intimidated by a lot of these different things. Uh, and and also it was a combination of intimidation and, and also arrogance, if I'm being honest, to think that I didn't need them. Right. And then as soon as I actually started incorporating some of these skills into my training and my racing... Uh, I really, really saw the benefit. And now that I'm learning so much more about this topic and I've you know, been plowing through all these sports psychology books over the last two years, I, I'm now coming to the grips with the fact that, number one, it's absolutely trainable. Number two, it's not as hard as you think. And number three, there's so much value to be made from it. I really do think that the next frontier in improvement and peak performance is going to come from our brain. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that athletic identity, channeling those mental skills really does set you apart um, and help you achieve the desired success that you want in your sport. Lovely. I think that's a great place to end, Justin. Thanks for uh, all of your expertise and wisdom on this episode. I always learn so much. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. Love love being on. And just a, a quick plug, if I may. Um, I just launched a, a sports psychology course on the app Insight Timer that really, um, it, it really is an easy way. It's an accessible way to hear more about these skills, uh, to think about putting them into practice. And so if people are interested, you know, you can check that out. It's, um, it's on my website, drjustinross.com. If people are on the Insight Timer app, you can find it there. It's called Unlock Your Athletic Potential. And um, there's a place to interact in there as well. So if people are checking it out, I'd love to hear from you what you're working on, what's helpful, what your needs are, and how I might uh, be able to get you mentally fit. Wonderful. Well, I'll also include a link to that in the show notes on the Strength Running blog. So if you're listening to this and uh, don't want to write anything down, then you can definitely go on to strengthrunning.com and we'll have a link for that. Justin, thanks so much. Yeah, Jason, good talking to you. And there it is. I hope you enjoyed this discussion about sports psychology for runners with Dr. Justin Ross. I firmly believe that qualities like confidence, focus, mental toughness, and anxiety management are skills, and that means that they can be developed over time. That's our goal this year on Strength Running, to give you the tools you need to become the mentally fit runner that you know you can be. Stay tuned for a lot more coaching guidance on this topic, both here on the podcast, but also on the blog and our video channel on YouTube. Subscribe so you don't miss anything and buckle up because this is going to be a lot of fun. Until next time.